The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. Get a hold of Savan anytime, 416-216-5910. And the email, just as simple, help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We always get to uh, kick off the first segment, my friend, with the week that was. How was that week? Well, John, it's uh, it's been a very, very busy week. And I uh, again, I, I say that almost every time that we meet. But the reality is that it was an extremely busy week. And I'm going to start off... Uh, by telling you about a case that I just recently settled. It was actually just uh, a week and a half ago, uh, but uh, the, the, the settlement is coming due. Uh, the terms are confidential, but I'm just going to give you an outline just for our listeners to mm-hmm. understand. This was a car accident. Uh, I, I was representing a husband and wife. Remember the last show we were talking about whether yes. or not we can represent multiple people right. from the same accident? We can, depending on the situation. Uh, but this was a husband and wife, uh, and and the injuries uh, were were interesting because they are, uh, they're interesting because uh, for for the wife you're dealing with chronic low back pain from the accident. Uh, she was holding down two jobs at the time of the accident. She she had a full time job and a part time job, and after the accident, uh, she was able to continue working uh, with a lot of pain for about a year and a half or so. But then after a year and a half, she had to stop. And then she was in unemployment for a while, and now she's working part-time. And the reason why this is important is because one of the arguments the defense lawyers were making here is they were saying, look, clearly she was not that injured because she was able yes. to continue working mm-hmm. for about a year and a half. And, and you know, I, I often tell defense lawyers and insurance companies, you can't have it both ways. You can't have my client, after an accident, being unable to work completely and 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 then say, well, this person is just you know sitting on the couch, lying on the couch, uh, waiting no for effort, a check, right? making no yeah. effort. And when I have someone legitimately trying to get back on their feet and struggling with the pain, but at some point it's just unbearable and they have to stop, you know, then you say, well, it must have been something else because they've been working for a year and a half. Yeah. No, you can't have it both ways. And at the end of the day, the insurance companies here recognize it because they paid the claim. Now, the husband was another interesting situation because. Uh, he actually injured his left knee uh, on the dashboard. He hit it. Uh, and by the way, this was a re-rent collision, so they were not at fault for the accident. Now, he, here's the problem. It wasn't just his knee that he injured. He injured his back, uh, the, the entire back, and, and he's he's a construction worker by trade. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had a company. The company was closed. Uh, had, he had to close it down uh, after the accident because he wasn't able to do the work. But here's the problem. Initially, after the accident, it wasn't his knee that was acting up. Yes, it was sore. Yes, it was uncomfortable. It was painful. But really, the main issue was with, with, were with his back. And, and so when he went to the hospital right after the accident, and subsequently when he went to the family doctor, the complaints were not with respect to the knee. Because it hadn't cropped up yet. You got it, exactly. Mm. And, and so the complaints with the knee only start showing up in the medical records about two months after the accident. But this guy is in his 50s, never had any issues with his knees, either of his knees, before the accident. And, uh, of course, you can imagine the insurance companies here that are saying, hold on, we have a causation issue, meaning we don't think that the accident caused the injury with his knee. Incidentally, John, he needs a uh, uh, knee surgery. Uh, and, and that's that's he's been told that by several uh, orthopedic surgeons. So the issue is, can we connect the dots? Can we connect right. the knee injury to the accident? And, of course, you know, there's arguments on both ends. And I, I acknowledge that with the insurance companies. I said, look, I understand where you're coming from. Frankly, when I did insurance defense law, when I protected insurance companies, I would make the exact same arguments. But at the end of the day, let's look at my uh, client's pre-existing health. Let's look at all the medical records. He's got nothing with his knees. 
We know that he hit his knee on the dashboard at the time of the accident. We know that subsequent to the accident, yes, there was a two-month gap, but we know that the injury continued to, to get worse and worse and worse. And, and frankly, my guy is limping now, John. And so, you know, at the end of the day, we had all these issues, both with her and with him. And guess what? We still were able to settle the case for six figures. And again, I can't wow. tell you the exact amount. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of components to this claim, right? It's not just pain and suffering. It's income loss. It's future care. It's, you know, help around the home. But it's a very interesting case study because I was representing both individuals. We settled both claims at the same time for six figures. Again, I'm not going to tell you if it was high or low. I'm just going to tell you it was a substantial sum. Uh, And that was despite the issues that the insurance companies were raising. Why? Because insurance companies understand risk. They understand that at the end of the day, yes, they can pose an argument. They can advance an argument to say, look, you know, you didn't do this and this. You, you, you know, I, you can't connect the dots on the injury. You, you, didn't, you, know, you haven't lost any income. But they understand that they have to pay their lawyers to fight the fight. And they understand that oftentimes it's more economical to assess the risk of them losing at the end of the day. And instead of going forward with that fight, right. to come to some kind of a dispute resolution uh, w- with you. And, and, you know, my clients were very satisfied. They're very happy with their claim. They can move on with their lives. And frankly, the insurance company can shut down two cases and it looks good on their balance sheet. So that was a very interesting case, and it just resolved literally a week and a half ago. It's not the majority of most of your cases. They don't often go to court and all these things that people are scared of, right? Extremely, it's extremely rare for these cases to go to court. And, uh, you know, I just came back from lunch with my uh, partner, with Lior, and we were just saying that, you know, when cases end up in court, something must have gone wrong here. Either, hmm. either the lawyer didn't do their job on our end or the lawyer didn't do a job on the other side's end, the insurance company. And frankly, John... Uh, I can tell you that our lawyers are very well trained. So oftentimes it's because the other side hasn't assessed their exposure, their risk adequately. Uh, And and so, you know, to give you an idea, literally 95% of the cases I deal with, maybe even more, maybe 98%, do not go to court. We're prepared for it if it has to, but rarely do they go. In fact, they never even get that close. Hmm. And the reason they don't is because we prepare from the beginning for that eventuality. Uh, my clients are well aware of of of, of the the uh, you know the, the the strong points in their case, the weak points. We establish that trust. They know that I'm going to tell them exactly what I think about their case. So it's extremely extremely rare in my in my in my view in general. And that's not just me. I talk to a lot of people, a lot sure. of lawyers. For these cases to go to court, it's 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 very unlikely. Particularly in Toronto, by the way, where you have a process called mandatory mediation. Right where the parties have to come together to try and resolve the dispute. It doesn't mean you're going to resolve it, but most cases actually do end up resolving at the mediation. Take a quick break, and we'll talk about the injury calculator when we get back. If you're not familiar with this tool, it's pretty amazing. In the meantime, 416-216-5910 is Savan's number, and the email is simply help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show Talk Radio, AM 640. Savan's number is simple, 416-216-5910. Keeps it on him all the time. That'll get you right to him. And by the way, the email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to a bunch of emails here in just a minute. A lot of people People have uh, written in during the show and after the show. They want to catch up and ask questions, which we uh, may have not got to a particular topic during the show. Let's get to this, though, and something we try to get to each week, and that is the injury calculator. Right, John. Injurycalculator.ca, it's a fantastic online tool that's anonymous. It's free. Literally takes you 20 seconds to go through it. And what you do is you, you, uh, you tell the calculator uh, where the accident happened. It was a slip and fall or a car accident. 
whatnot. And the calculator just asks you very basic questions, just a few questions. What's your injury? What's the extent of the injury? Has it prevented you from working? You know, things like that. And again, keep in mind, you're not putting in your name, your number, nothing. It's anonymous. But what it does at the end is it gives you a range of compensation you can expect to get for your pain and suffering. Now, remember, every case is specific, Mm -hmm. and it depends on the circumstances of the case. Are you 100% at fault for the incident? Uh, Were you re-rendered in a car, meaning the other side is 100% at at fault and you're not at fault? You know, there's different things that can uh, influence uh, the, the, the numbers. But what is this calculator? It's, it's essentially an algorithm uh, that we've created to sift through a database of cases throughout the country. Because, I mean, John, people slip and fall all the time. People have car accidents all the time. And we know that these cases uh, are happening all over the country. And judges have given opinions and said, you know, John, you have a knee injury. I'm going to award you $40,000 for pain and suffering. But perhaps another judge in Saskatchewan said to a person of the same age uh, as yourself, uh, you know, same type of injury, I'm going to give you $50,000. And so we've inputted all this information into this database and the algorithm based on the information you input will give you that range so that when you actually go through the calculator, you 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 may be told... Uh, your pain and suffering compensation could be between, let's say, sixty and eighty thousand dollars, right. depending on on the case law that's out there. And I'm gonna, you know, at the, at the end of the day, when when you go through the calculator, there is a button there where you can actually seek to have an actual consultation with me, where I can ask you more specific questions about your situation. And as we talked before, there are other heads of damage. Maybe you're unable to work now. Maybe you know you need help around the home. So that's above and beyond the, the range of damages that the calculator will give you, which is just for your pain and just suffering. Just pain and suffering. And, you, and right. you've often said uh, when you know in this topic that the pain and suffering is often not the big component. That could be the small one. It right? can be the small one, yeah. I mean, you can have an injury to your ankle that, uh, you know, where your pain and suffering could be worth $35,000, dollars $50,000. But guess what? You can't go back to this job that was paying you $80,000 a year. Instead, you can do something that pays you $40,000 a year. Well, just do the math if you can't work for the next 10 years at that other job that you had before the accident. You know, you can have a case where your pain and suffering is worth 40000 and your economic damages are worth $500,000. That's why it's so crucial and important to talk to someone like myself who's been doing this for a long time and I can give you an opinion. And it doesn't cost anything. I mean, I can do it over the phone, over, you know, it's two minutes of my time. Uh, we can do it via email. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me, but at least you will know the options and you'll understand. And by the way, John, oftentimes people, when they contact me, they're not even focused on, on the right questions. So for example, I think that uh, the last show we talked about it, there was someone who emailed uh, someone whose parent, I believe, broke uh, their hip in a fall and, and they were helping them around the home or they were paying someone to come and, right. and help them. Well, the injury itself, a broken hip, a broken hip uh, can be worth in, in monetary damages, $90,000, a hundred, 120000 just for pain and suffering. But he was concerned about, you know, $20 here, $20 there being paid to someone to come and help around the home. Right. So oftentimes, you know, you may think that you're entitled to X, Y, and Z, but really you're entitled to a lot more than that. But keep in mind, you have two years to assess that. Not only do you have two years to start a claim uh, for compensation, but, you know, a lot of people who don't seek the proper legal advice 
at the outset, they may do certain things along along the claim, like talk to adjusters without you know right, legal, legal right. representation. Sink their own that, ship that, before it exactly, gets started. Exactly, you right? may actually harm uh, yeah. your case. So you always got to seek out the advice of a lawyer from the uh, from the outset. Get to a couple more. Uh, well, again, as I mentioned off the top of the uh, the same, you got a lot of emails this week, and a lot of these are from listeners who have caught the show in the past. That's right. For, uh, I mean, John, I have here literally a uh, you know a whole stack of emails that I brought in because it's interesting. Some of them are long term disability emails. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of them are car accidents. I have. One one with a kid that, uh, uh, you know, in his, uh, I think it was in his high school, he went through a, a, a room that was supposed to be locked. It was a boiler room, and he got some uh, significant injuries there, uh, burn injuries. So, so let, me, let, let me just read you a few emails, and of course I'm going to not mention the names, and I'm going to uh, perhaps uh, not mention a few other facts just to make sure that people, yep. uh, you know, you can't recognize who's emailing me, uh, the privacy issues. Uh, but, you know, we can go through some of them and then I can dissect them okay. for our listeners. Sure. Uh, so this one uh, came in uh, literally uh, April 27th. And uh, this lady says, morning, Sivan. I hope you are well. Uh, as a follow-up to my LTD case, which is long-term disability, yeah. I've been on it since 2013 as a result of having a stroke. My doctor advised me not to talk to, and she's giving me the name of the insurance company here, let's say M. We'll call sure. the insurance company M. Uh, as there is no reason for me to speak directly with them, and they tend to pressure me and bully me around when I'm on the phone with them. However, my case manager from M is requesting a conference call with me to discuss my disabilities, uh, my, ca- uh, uh, my case, and how M can help me. She puts help, help. in quotes. Right. So this is the adjuster trying to get her on the phone. Yep. Uh, she further states that no communication may impact their ability to pay my LTD in the future. And then she's asking, am I obligated to speak with them and update them when they get regular updates directly from my doctors? Then she writes, the most frustrating thing is that my circumstances have not changed. Remember, John, she had a stroke. So I never have anything to discuss or report. It's the same conversation over and over. And, uh, and then she writes a few other things. And, you know, I responded to her, uh, and we've been going back and forth. And, and some of those communications, John, by the way, were at uh, around 6 o'clock in the morning. So wow. she was just amazed that I was responding. But, you know, to me, it's, it's normal practice. So here are the answers. First of all, insurance adjusters in long-term disability cases in specifically uh, will try to coach it as, look, I am helping you. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe they are or they think that they are. But who is paying them? Who's, who's employing? It's the insurance company that's employing them. Again, I'm not painting all these adjusters with one brush, but at the end of the day, they have a job to do. And the job is not to take care of you, but to take care of the insurance company. And they can be the nicest people, and oftentimes they are very, very nice people. You know, but at the end of the day, uh, she's frustrated and she feels pressure Then her own doctor tells her not to talk to, to, to the adjuster. And, and, of course, there is a reason for that because she's going out of her mind dealing with them and she's telling them, I had a stroke. What do you want? You know, my situation has not changed. And so my response to her was, uh, look, you can speak with them or you can have me speak with them. You can have my team speak with them. Right. That way you have an in-between, a go-between. And oftentimes we can resolve these issues. You're not going to have to deal with them. You just have to deal with me. It's a completely different ball game if that happens. We'll expand on that in just a bit and get to a couple more cases that have come through in uh, very recent history. You want to send an email as well, very simple. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca and 416-216-5910. That's the number you call at, uh, well, 6 in the morning, like Savan said, anytime you want to get a hold of them. Lots more of the Insurance and Injury Law Show coming right up. Talk Radio, AM 640. You need to get a hold of Savan anytime, 416 416- 
416-216-5910. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca. That is the email address. We're going through a few cases. Now, these people, uh, these folks anyway, have emailed you. And I've either uh, joined your team, used your services, or of late have just emailed in after hearing the show. And you're just, you're amazed by some of the things that come through your email. Yeah, I am. I am. And, and it's interesting to me because oftentimes uh, they contact me and, and they've gotten information that is either inaccurate or incomplete. Uh, and I have to set them straight. And oftentimes, again, they don't necessarily end up retaining me, but at least they know what they, what they need to do to move forward. Well, they go to law, they go to law offices of Google is the problem, right? <laughs> That's Half right, time, Wikipedia. Right? Yeah, Wikipedia. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so so let, me, let me read you another email that I got. Uh, and this one is from uh, April 26th. Uh, this is from a lady uh, up north. I'm not going to say where. She starts off by saying, Hello, Sivan. I've been a listener of the show for some time and never thought I would be contacting you. Dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. However, here I sit five weeks after being rear-ended while stopped at a red light. She says, initially, I felt okay. I'm a realtor, where she is, and yep. was working at the time. And, and, and once we exchanged insurance, etc., I continued to work. My car wasn't really drivable due to the fact that the bumper lights, rear-end, dual exhaust, and all that were shoved right up underneath the car. Wow. Yeah, I did continue to drive that evening because I was in the middle of an offer with clients. Uh, and again, and you know, she continues to elaborate about that. Then she says, I was sore that evening and into the next day, just the tops of my shoulders and the lower left side of my neck and back. Uh, and the next day, my insurance asked me if I was injured. And I said, I would hold off on my response to see if this aching would subside. I'm going to continue with the email in a second, yeah. uh, John. But generally speaking, I would tell people this. If you've contacted your insurance company after an accident and you uh, feel that you're injured or you're dazed or anything like that, be, be upfront with them. Tell them, yes, I am injured. Uh, maybe I'll get better tomorrow, but be honest. Okay, they are your insurance adjusters. I know I've just finished with the last segment saying that they work for the insurance company. They do. But keep in mind, whatever you tell them after an accident, your own insurance adjuster, mm-hmm. uh, they're going to put that down. They're going to record that. They're going to write that down. And it's important to have contemporaneous notes. In other words, you call them up. If a year from now you make a claim for your injuries, they're going to come back and say, hold on for a second. You didn't say you were injured right after the from? accident. Exactly. Yeah. If you are injured, say you're injured. If you're not injured, that's fine. Say you're not injured. I, I don't know if you really have a situation where you don't know if you're injured. I think that here she was just being very careful, which is okay. It's prudent. Mm-hmm. But my advice is if you are injured and you're speaking with the adjuster, you can tell them you're injured. There's nothing wrong with that. So let's continue. Uh, repairs to my car were held up due to it being Easter weekend. Uh, then we had uh, a wild ice storm and the power was off, etc., etc. And then she says, I wasn't certain if the confusion... Uh, or disorientation I was feeling was due to a different car, ice storm, or what. But the pain in my neck, headache, disorientation ringing in the ears has not subsided. In fact, it seems to be getting worse instead of getting better. I've been to my family doctor. Uh, I've been to a sports clinic. Uh, and she puts in brackets, recommended by my insurance. Okay. I'm going to make a star around that. We'll talk about that. Okay. It says, I'm told the diagnosis is that of a grade 2 whiplash and or a concussion. The accident happened... She tells, she's telling me when, it was in March, and she says, I'm not feeling any better. Any advice you could give me would be greatly appreciated. Okay, so And of course, we exchanged a few emails, so let's tackle it. First of all, insurance company tells you to go to a certain clinic. I'm sorry, I'm not going to go to that clinic. Okay, I'm not going to go to them because at some point, the insurance company is going to request the records or even reports from the people who are treating you. Now, if the insurance company told you to go to that clinic, it doesn't mean the clinic is bad or the practitioners are bad. But if the insurance company's interest at the end of the day is to pay as little as possible on your claim, they would like it if at the end of the day, whether it's a few weeks from now or a few months from now or a year from now, 
that the clinic or the practitioners would say, you know, you don't need any more treatments. Right. right? In other words, keep in mind, there is a reason why the insurance company is referring you to that clinic. Again, doesn't mean the clinic is bad, but I just don't trust the fact that the insurance company is telling me to go there. What I would do is I would go to my family doctor and I would get a referral from my family doctor or if I've been in a clinic before that I know or if I have a friend that had a, a good experience, I would go to someone who uh, has my best interest. Someone's impartial. Impartial, exactly. Yeah. And that's my, that's my problem. It, it's not that the clinic is going to be impartial here. It's that at least I perceive a conflict, a potential conflict. Mm-hmm. And I don't like that, which is why when people ask me for referrals to clinics, I don't do what a lot of personal injury lawyers do. And I'm sorry to say that. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, lawyers out there and paralegals are not going to like me. But I, I don't give referrals out and t- tell you, you know, go to this clinic. I, I don't, because at the end of the day, if it comes out that I sent you to that clinic, there's going to be a question mark as to whether or not you actually needed to go to that clinic. Right. So, you know, very, very important. Now, uh, f- for this lady who wrote to me, she says the diagnosis is grade two whiplash and or concussion. The concussion part is what's concerning me because concussion essentially is a brain injury. It can be a very, very mild form of brain injury, but it means a hit to the head. Yeah. She probably hit uh, the headrest. Something must have happened for the diagnosis to have been made. You have to get this checked out any times. Sorry, anytime you're diagnosed with a concussion, you have to make sure you follow through on whatever the head routine is that you're given. If you're experiencing memory loss, if you're experiencing uh, vision loss, nausea, all that kind of stuff, you got to make sure you get checked out because the last thing you want is to have something like this go under undiagnosed and then you collapse one day or something happens right. that... You Snowballs, know, it gets exactly. worse and worse. So, yeah. uh, but but, but in, in terms of from a legalities here... Uh, I, and this is what I told her. I said, listen, I said, first of all, you're entitled to accident benefits. You're entitled to certain rehabilitation benefits from your insurance company. Uh, and we'll talk soon, John, about some mm-hmm. changes that are coming in June of this yes. year to that. Uh, but, you know, even more so, to the extent that this injury for this lady is going to be serious and ongoing for a long period of time, she's going to have a claim potentially against the driver who hit her. And when I say the driver, I mean really the insurance company yes. for that driver. And I told her that. I said, you know, monitor your situation. We can get involved right now if you want. Not a big deal. Point is, you're entitled to X, Y, and Z benefits from your insurance company, particularly if you're having difficulty working, right. okay? Uh, but you may also be entitled to pain and suffering from the insurance company of the driver that hit you. Perhaps there's going to be other economic losses down the road. We don't know how this concussion and whiplash is going to pan out. Again, very, very important to get this legal advice. And she's done that fairly quickly. She didn't do it the next day, which is okay. Five weeks later, clearly she's concerned. She made the right move to contact me. And that's what I tell all the listeners out there. If you or someone you know is in that situation, contact me. You have nothing to lose. We're communicating via email, via phone. I'll come and see you if you want. But generally, just a few uh, uh, minutes on the phone or via email, and you'll get all the information you need and, and, and be educated on how you need to proceed. That number, 416-216-5910, 416-216-5910, and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. It's right here on Talk Radio, AM 640. 416-216-5910 is the number to get a hold of Savan directly and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. should mention this as well, that uh, you know once they, one of the big benefits of you know giving you a call and maybe getting you to pursue uh, someone's case is all that stress and anxiety and phone calls come to a stop. Completely. Well, I'm going to say completely in terms of, from a legal standpoint, yes. of course, you know, you're focused on your own recovery, which is exactly the point. 
The point is you're not supposed to be fighting two battles at the same time. You're not supposed to be fighting your own personal battle uh, you know, to try and recover, to get better. Maybe you have issues with your employer that, of course, we can deal with as well. But the point is you should be focused on getting better. And if you are in a position where you are assisting someone who was in an accident, focus on them. Focus, let us deal with the legalities. Right. Trust me, you're going to be so much better for it. And at the end of the day, your recovery is going to probably be that much quicker. And that's really what we're telling people. Let us do our job. Don't worry about dealing with the outside world. Okay, we'll deal with them. You focus on yourself. You can always uh, give Savannah a call anytime during the week after the show, during the show. Leave a message, 416-216-5910. But some of these emails have come through in the last week or two, and listeners of the show wanting to know some information, yeah? Right. And, John, before I go into the next email here, I can tell you that some of these questions have come through uh, another website, mydisabilityquestions.com. Uh, again, mydisabilityquestions.com. Mm-hmm. Very important because you'll get a response from me, and oftentimes I have almost like a dialogue going back and forth. Uh, it just happened, you know, uh, this morning even. Uh, so so let me read you another email. And again, I don't know, April 26th must have been a busy day because there's another one that came in uh, on that date. And this lady says, uh, says uh, hello, Sivan. My name is, I'm going to call her C. Her first name mm-hmm. starts with C. And I was recently involved in a car accident caused by a drunk driver. I am now dealing with my insurance company regarding my injuries, and I think I may need some legal advice and or representation. If you can please get back to me in the hopes to discuss a consultation, please feel free to call me anytime, and she gives me the number. Great. So, you know, the concern is, you know, there was a drunk driver or there was a driver that, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, was driving without insurance or perhaps even, you know, you lost consciousness and the car that hit you took off. Uh, took off. Sure. You have no idea who it is. You know, there are provisions either in the Insurance Act or in, in your uh, insurance policy that protect you in these kinds of eventualities. Uh, there, there are there, there are uh, legislative safety nets that have been put in place to make sure that if you are injured mm-hmm. because someone did something that was illegal, like drinking and driving, and their insurance company takes the position that we're not covering anyone because our guy broke the law, uh, and that happens, then you say, oh, hold on, I'm entitled to compensation. I have serious injuries. Who am I going to get my compensation from? Well, you can actually get it from your own insurance company. And that's legislated. In other words, you're paying insurance specifically so you have that safety net. And it's not like, you know, don't be worried about making your insurance company angry or the adjuster angry. No. If you are in a situation where someone broke the law and as a result of them breaking the law, you were injured, but they don't have insurance to cover you. Or like I said before, if they disappeared, okay, they just made off, you can go after your insurance company instead and get the full compensation you'd be entitled to uh, had the other side had proper insurance. So, so don't, don't think that you can't recover just because someone, uh, the person who injured you, uh, was, was uh, drinking and driving or was texting or, you know, took off. So you're saying, it sounds like you're saying if, if I or someone else gets hit by a drunk driver, and that driver's got full insurance, they're an insured driver, they just did an extremely stupid thing on the road and were drinking and driving. If they hit me and their insurance policy finds out, or their insurance company finds out that they were drinking and driving, they're in violation of the policy and they won't be covered. Yeah. So what and happens? You won't be covered. That's right. Without without getting into into too much of the, the legalities, uh, the, the law essentially st- states that if you breached your policy, right. so, so we were in an accident, you and I, John, and you did something that uh, was illegal. Let's say your insurance company says you breached the policy. By breaching the policy. Um, normally, normally, if I had a claim against you for my injuries, 
normal policies out there would state that there would be about a million dollars there that I could recover. It doesn't mean that, you know, in every case that I pursue, my client gets a million bucks, right. but I'd have that million dollars and that would cover you that million dollars. Meaning if we get, you know, we went all the way through the the, the, the court system and my injuries were worth $800,000, your insurance company would fork up $800,000. Okay. In a case where you did something wrong, like drinking and driving as an example, and your insurance company says you breached it, you no longer have that $1 million safety net on your end. It drops down to 200000 Again, I'm not going to get into why. Right. 200000 But what if my injuries are still worth 800000 What happens to the difference? Where do I get the 600000 I can go after my insurance company for that, for that difference. Again, won't get into the legalities. It's an academic, not a fan. It's an academic thing. But the point is you are protected. Right. There are ways around it. And, and even in a situation where you are, uh, you know, you took off, I don't know who you are, so long as I can actually prove that, in fact, there was an accident, there was another car, uh, again, I can go after my insurance company. And, and, and it's really important because in those situations, you may have very serious injuries, but you have no target, so to speak, to go after. For sure. Well, that's why your insurance company steps into those shoes of the person who's at fault. And again, that's not, it's not something, you know, when that happens, it's not like you're doing something wrong. The government put that in place on purpose to prevent a situation from happening where someone is injured, seriously injured, and there is no one against whom you can recover. We're going to talk about some of the laws coming into place very shortly. In fact, June is when it's all going to come down. Savannah will expand on that. In the meantime, the number 416-216-5910 and an email is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910, that is the number to get a hold of Savannah anytime and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. You've mentioned a couple times during the show thus far, there are new laws when it comes to... uh, Vehicular stuff as of June first, some benefits, some changes people should know about. Am I going to like this? Uh, so, so this is interesting because uh, for the last few years, uh, going back actually to 2010, the government has been uh, changing the rules uh, for accident victims, and it's something that lawyers like myself have been uh, crying foul over for for years. But of course, it's the lawyers crying foul, and right. no one really cares about the lawyers except that it's we're not crying foul about ourselves as much as the fact that accident victims are getting less and less compensation mm, and benefits through their own insurance companies. And I don't know about you, John, but I haven't seen my insurance rates go down. Yeah, no kidding. So I'm not happy about that. But yeah, new things are happening uh, as, of, as of June 2016, and I'll explain to you why it's important to understand. Uh, first of all, uh, still, there's going to be a situation where if, if you're injured, but you didn't break anything and, and you didn't tear your shoulder or something you're going to be entitled only up to $3,500 worth of treatments, okay? So you're being referred to a physio clinic mm-hmm. or physiotherapy for chiropractic or whatnot because of the accident. Again, despite it doesn't matter if you're at fault or not. Right. You're going to be entitled to $3,500. Uh, if, if you did break something, uh, then you're going to be entitled up to $65,000. But but it's it's combined uh, for medical rehabilitation and attendant care for someone to come and attend for you and, and help you out. And, and and again, this is you know it, it was a lot more. I was going to say, what are the what are these numbers changed from? Well, there, there were there were there were a lot more. I'm going to go into that for in, in a second. I'm just going to want to give you a a, a preview of of mm-hmm. everything else, and then we'll go through them. Uh, for income loss, for example, uh, this this doesn't really change. Uh, if you can't work after an accident, you're entitled up to a maximum of four hundred dollars yep. per week. Yeah, that's the same. Uh, there's a formula for that. It's the same exactly. It used to be like that too. So if you are making, let's say, a thousand dollars a week, 
uh, before the accident, you're going to be entitled to uh, up to 400 bucks uh, for that. Exactly. Um, you know, for caregiver, you know, if you have kids at home, you're going to be entitled to up to $250 a week plus $50 uh, a week for each additional child. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a few other benefits that are, they don't really apply to, to most of the claimants out there. So I'm going to leave okay. them out. But one thing to understand is, is this, uh, you have an option when you either renew your auto insurance or when you, uh, get new insurance to get enhanced benefits. Yes. You can speak with an insurance broker or you can speak with the insurance company directly, the adjuster, and it doesn't cost that much more. And I'm telling you, for exactly, if you got forbidden in an accident or if you have a family member that's in an accident, I mean, oh my God, you're going to be entitled to so much more. I mean, you can, for example, we talked about the $400 a week for income replacement benefits. You can get it bumped up to $600 or $800 or even $1,000 a week. That the company, the insurance company is going to pay you in the event that you can't work after an accident. It's a huge, huge thing. And I, I can't stress how important it is for people out there to look into this. Don't simply assume that, okay, the benefits are changing. I'm not going to need them. Uh, and, and by the way, if, I, if I'm going to need them, it's going to be at some point, you know, God knows when in the future, but I'm going to be back yeah. on my feet really quickly. Don't assume that. Yeah. Check out the, the enhanced benefits options that you have. Uh, almost every insurance company, I think every insurance company that offers auto insurance has those extremely, extremely important. Bare minimum is not good enough. Bare minimums is not good enough. No. I mean, even remember we, we talked before about that uh, safety net. If, if you're at fault for the accident and, and someone uh, starts a claim against you, you have a million bucks to protect you, you can up that to $2 million. Right. Like that's what I have, just in case. Maybe somebody, the person that I, I injure at some point by mistake, um, because maybe I was inattentive or something happened and suddenly the, you know, the person's injuries are worth $1.5 million. You're good. But I only, well, right, but what if I only have a million dollars to protect me, right? It means I'm going to have to actually pay out the extra 500. So again, you want to make sure you look into the enhanced benefits. Very, yeah. very important. Again, anytime you want to get old Savannah, discuss more of this, 416-216-5910 and help at the insurance lawyer.ca. Let's get to an email you got through. Yeah, so, so. this is, uh, so there was another, uh, um, uh, person that actually contacted us uh, again at the end of April, this was an interesting situation. And I'm bringing it up because I want people to understand that we don't just deal with car accidents, slip and falls, long-term right. disability. It's any form of injury. Uh, so, so this is a father that called on behalf of his son. The son is 16 and a half years old. Uh, and during the lunch hour uh, at his school, the son wandered around the basement of the school uh, and, and made his way to the boiler room. What? I have no idea why, but he did that. Uh, almost sounds like the beginning of some kind of a movie. That a Schwarzenegger movie. Let out some steam. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I think Schwarzenegger is a little bit too old now to be in a school. <laughs> I but, think so. Uh, in any event, so, so this, uh, this, this kid went through two doors which were unlocked. I'm actually reading it to you from, okay. from you know, the notes that I was making. Uh, the first door, he believes uh, that it actually had a restricted access sign, uh, but it was unlocked. In any event, he goes in and there's a hole in the cement under what he thought was a paper towel that was on the floor. Okay. He doesn't notice it. He just steps over it, and he steps into boiling water. And uh, his foot and three inches up his ankle are burnt. He's diagnosed with uh, what they believe then was second-degree burns. Wow. But when they took the bandages off last week, uh, they determined that the burns were a lot, a lot deeper than they initially uh, thought. And, of course, the question that they had is, what do we do? You know, the school is doing its own investigation, etc., And what I told them is, look, first of all, we have to get some more facts here. I need to understand exactly uh, everything that happened. I mean, 
was was there no one around? I mean, was was the main door to the whole premises, the basement, was it unlocked? Yeah. Uh, were there other incidents uh, like this before? And of course, we would get that from the school. Clearly, something very wrong happened here. But the fact that you have a restricted area that's unlocked uh, in, in a place where it's full of kids, and I'm sure that some of them were younger than 16 and a half. I mean, you can just imagine the type of injuries that some of these kids could suffer. Clearly, in my mind, there is fault here. There is negligence on the school. Uh, you know, as to whether or not the kid is at fault to some degree, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are going to say, well, how stupid can you be? You're 16 and a half. There's a you sign on the thinking, door. Don't go in, right? Right. Yeah. But again, that said, it's a school, for God's sakes, yeah. okay? Kids can do dumb things. So it's an interesting case because we're going to see how it evolves and what happens. But yeah. I can tell you that in my mind, when I'm looking at it, if I was defending the school, I'd be telling the insurance company that's insuring the school, man, you're going to have some exposure here. Uh, um, hopefully the kid's going to be okay, not just from uh, monetary yeah. reasons, but just in general, right? I mean, you're dealing with a young kid. Uh, but but from a strictly monetary standpoint, I can see negligence on the school here. Because even right. though it had a restricted sign on the door, why was this door unlocked? Right. Why was the basement unlocked? So again, you can be injured in a million different ways. If you are injured in any, any way, not a car accident, not a slip and fall, anything else, give us a call. Let us know if we can help. And you know what? We're not going to tell you, come here to the office, sign up, uh, you know, sign on the door here. No. In fact, the majority of the people that contact me, I, I end up speaking to them once or twice, giving them advice, and that's it. But some of them really do need help. And for those that really do need help, we present all the options. We explain uh, what can happen, what, what they can recover for their compensation, and, and they can choose if they want to proceed or not, and they know the timelines within which they can make those decisions. 416-216-5910 is that number, and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to one more segment here as we close out the hour of the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. 416-216-5910 and help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to a, uh, a few questions as it pertains to lawyers that you've had in over the last few weeks. We like to uh, hammer through a bunch of these because people are always asking asking, emailing, calling, and wondering the answers to these questions. I'll give you one right now. When choosing a lawyer for a personal injury or disability claim, does that lawyer have to be located where you live? No. The answer is no. Hmm. And I know that a lot of people are very concerned about that. Uh, this is this is not the way it used to be years and years ago, decades ago, where you, know, you have to go to your local lawyer uh, to, to get something done. This is not like going to a doctor and you want to make sure the doctor is not two hours away. It literally doesn't matter. We have clients across Ontario. In fact, some of them are outside the province. Uh, some of them are in Vancouver. You know, the, the, the reality is that most of the time we can do things by phone, via email, uh, electronically. You hardly ever uh, need to, to be, you know, in close proximity to the lawyer. In fact, I can't even think of a situation where you would. Maybe if you're, you know, selling a house and you need a real estate lawyer, you need to pick yeah, up right. uh, keys. So no, the answer yeah. is no. If you're in Barrie, if you're in Windsor, if you're in Ottawa, and you know we have an Ottawa office, literally yep. lawyers there. But if you're anywhere in the province, we can help. Uh, we 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 don't need to be right there. You don't have to drive down to meet with us. You know, you often hear the lawyers sometimes. You know, during a case, will get together and talk amongst themselves, maybe settle claims indirectly over coffee or a, a wobbly pop. Is that a good or bad thing? Is it true? Uh, it, it is true. It is true. And, and you know, I, I actually pride myself because I came from a defense background. I can have a frank conversation with a defense lawyer, right. someone representing the insurance company. And I can tell him, you know, listen, no bull. This is what I think the case is worth. Here's the range. Here's what I think a judge would say. And we may have a respectful disagreement. And, you know, John, there are certain lawyers on the other side of the aisle that uh, we were aggressive with each other before. 
because we had to be for whatever reason. Maybe he got instructions or she got instructions to be aggressive or, or I felt the need to really, yep. uh, uh, you know, hammer my point home. But we've developed mutual respect and we can be frank with each other. And I'll tell you, John, there's nothing I love more than than uh, shaking on, on a case. Of course, I have to get instructions from my client, but knowing that I'm dealing with someone who's ethical, who's moral, who, who is who understands how, you know, quote unquote, the game is played. Right. And that just benefits my client, because if I can avoid putting my client through, you know, the court process, and oftentimes I can, I'm going to do that. Why would I want to put my client through the, the entire process if I can get them the exact same settlement by having frank, respectful discussions with the other side? Over a nice ribeye stick. Um, <laughs> wrap it up with the uh, wrap it up with the injury calculator. All right, injurycalculator.ca, a fantastic tool, allows you to uh, calculate anonymously uh, and quickly how much pain and suffering damages you could potentially be entitled to if you're injured because of somebody else's negligence. Uh, again, something that took us a long time to create. There's nothing like it, as far as I know, in Canada. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it just it goes through a database of cases. And you know, if you if you broke your leg, if you injured your back, if you got a concussion, you know someone who's in that situation. You can just go to that website, input the information. Takes you 20 seconds. You're not putting in your phone number, your name, your email, nothing. You can have a consultation. You can, wish, yeah, right? absolutely. And, and, and frankly, every day I get submissions. People who uh, you know got the, the the ranges, the numbers for compensation that they're entitled to, and and they email me because they want to have a chat. They want to know a bit more about what it is that they can get. Until next time, the number 416. Try it again. Until next time, the number 416-216-5910. The email always. It's always there. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. This has been the Insurance and Injury Law Show right here on Talk Radio, AM640.